Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 13, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 3, and we are at page 36, the third paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Esther F., for the 12 Traditions, Lee H., Reading the text are Katie G, Susan H, and Martha Z. The reference numbers for Monday, March 12th, are for the 7 a.m., 11,151, and 10 a.m., 11,153. That's 11151 and 11153. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you. I will now call in Lee H. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Lee H., a compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Here are the 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized. We may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name never ought to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Lee. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 36, paragraph 3, and I will ask Katie G. to begin reading. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston, Mass. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in the favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if he only mixed it with milk. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such of a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this is an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim upon the consequences, but there is always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, sorry, <clears throat> that parallel with our sound reasoning 
there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out. Next day, we had to ask ourselves in all earnestness and sincerity how it could have happened. And let me get my timer. So, you know, the first thing I'm thinking this morning is that this is not about controlling my emotions, right? This is not about having a better psychological manner. And this is not about my knowledge. You know, it says, how many times did I know, Katie, if you pick up the food, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your family, you're probably not going to want to live tomorrow. It didn't matter. All my reasons for not eating were easily pushed aside for the foolish, insane. I mean, they're not big fans of what I'm doing. Foolish being lacking, lacking sense or judgment. And insane being extremely foolish, deranged. Um, you know, I'm not making, I'm not making good decisions. Um, and so what's so interesting too is I hear a lot of people say, yeah, I started program and then because of my husband's, you know, my husband lost his job so I picked up or my, um, my cat died so I picked up or I lost my job so I picked up. Um, au contraire, the book is telling me our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check, the insane idea won out, and we took the bite for a trivial reason. A trivial reason means it, no worse. It's foolish. It's minor. And I always thought that I ate because of people, places, and things. That this world and the events around me, if you did what I wanted, if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. I wouldn't have to punish you with my food. It's not about that. What it's telling me is actually, KDG, you're screwed. You have an allergy of the body, right? But the bigger part of your disease is you have an obsession of the mind. So why do I go back to this food? Because I'm not accepting powerlessness. I, I go back to this idea that I have power, choice, or control. My thinking gets so bad that eating is a step up from what I'm thinking about, from how I'm thinking, and I do the most insane thing that one human being could ever do with the history of binging and purging and laxatives um, that I have, right? So it's not about control. It's not about me getting in touch with my intuitive nature. It's not about me learning to, um, I mean, and these are all things I've done, learning when I'm going to be hungry, when I'm not. It's not about, you know, um, how am I feeling right now? It's about the fact that I am insane and that no matter what I will eat, I will eat no matter what, unless <laughs> by the grace of God, my death is interrupted because that's what's happening here, right? as the result of entire abstinence and working the steps, my death has been interrupted today. And I have the privilege of knowing I'm insane, of being in these rooms, knowing I'm insane, because guess what, my friends? When I know I'm insane, I have a fighting chance because God can intervene and take this wretch, this sick, insane woman, and give her the privilege of living life today. And I'm going to keep showing up one day at a time with all of you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you so much, Katie. Um, I really appreciate your share. And so here we are. We're on the, page, the bottom of page 36, starting with Thus Started One More Journey. And we're going to read, we're going to share on those three paragraphs ending in How Could It Have Happened? Who um, would like to share? Lisa B. Dan S. Lisa B. Matt Larry, M. Larry K. Barbara I heard someone, E. I heard someone. Wait a second. Wait a second. Larry K. 
Barbara E. Barbara. I heard someone. Yes, I got you, Barbara. I got Lisa B., Matt M., and I missed someone. And then Larry K. and Barbara E. Who did Jan I S. That's what I thought. It was Jan S. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Sima M. Sima M. Holly S. Monica T. Holly S. Monica T. Okay, that's a nice little lineup there. So we have Lisa B., Matt M., Jan S., Larry K., Barbara E., Sima M., Holly, I think it was S., I don't know, sorry, Monica T. Go ahead, please, Lisa B. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Katie, for your service. Uh, the line that really, really jumps out for me, there's so much, but is our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check? And, you know, I keep thinking about the chapter, how it works, and how that chapter really lays out for me the truth about who and what I am, but how I have to go through all these other chapters to really comprehend to build up to the truth about my problem. My problem is me, okay? And I thought that if you guys could just understand what a sensitive individual I am and how hard it is for me to function in life and that, you know, don't be so hard on myself. Like I I just wanted people to say to me, Lisa, don't be so hard on yourself, you know? That is what killed me and was killing me slowly. And it wasn't until I came in this room got entirely abstinent through the grace of God and starting a doctor's opinion. And, you know, no one put the food down for me. I had to put the food down for me and be willing to go through the discomfort and then surround myself with people who were living a life of truth through this work and then were able to reflect that back to me. And I don't always like what I hear when I do my inventory. I don't always want to hear the truth. But, you know, in How It Works, it says, return back to the list where it held the key to the future. I have to see that I lie to myself and that this book is going to teach me who and what I am and what I need to do to get recovered. And it's not about being gentle on myself. I mean, yes, no morbid reflection and no self-pity. And yes, I can beat myself up. And that certainly makes me useless to being of service to others. But I need to see the truth that I am a manipulator and a controller and that I'm based in dishonesty and fear and selfishness. And that the only hope that I have is through doing this work, getting abstinent and doing this work. I am so grateful for the people today that hold up a mirror to me that help me to see the truth of who I am and that this work reveals to me the path to freedom. It's not about being gentle and kind to myself. I'm gentle and kind when I'm abstinent and do these steps and get recovered. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, Matt M., you're up, followed by Jan F. I am. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. with a postal over here from New Jersey. 
Uh, he, he had much knowledge about him about himself as an alcoholic and all reasons for not drinking. We easily pushed aside in favor for the foolish idea that he could easily take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. That's sort of like me when it comes to sugar, you know. Um, I would convince myself that it's okay to have one of these little mini Drake's pies and I'll be fine afterwards, you know. All I need to have is a little glass of milk with it and I'll be fine, you know. Like one, you know, but you know what they say, one is too many and a thousand is not enough. I would find myself buying 10, 15 of them at one time instead of one. And even, even more at once, as soon as I got home, I'd have a whole bag full right next to me, next to my chair with a glass of milk. You know, it's, it's insanity, but it's worst, you know. Uh, convincing myself that I'm just going to have one, you know, and one, you know, they say a sliver, a slice, a slab, a swab. It's absolutely true for me. I can't have a sliver. I can't have a slice. Or I do turn into a slob. Then I start having a slab or whatever it is, you know. And uh, you can't eat just one, just like just like it says on the bag. You can't you can't eat just one. And um, for me, I have to teach myself every day that it's not worth it. I have to tell myself every day I have only today to get to get through. And no matter how much I'm out of cravings, no matter how much the food might cost me in a particular, any particular day, I know that if I give in to it, I'm going to be up in a wet creek, you know, without a paddle. And I don't need to be like that anymore. I need to just focus on what's in front of me and take each, take each thing as it comes and fit myself to it, my luck as it comes, and fit myself to it and stay right size. That's the only way I can keep my ego in check with, my, with help from a higher power because I can't do it on my own. If I was able to do it on my own, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't weigh almost 500 pounds again. You know, I have to take this weight off of myself. It's not about the weight. It's about what, what the weight between my ears. But, you know, for me, I realized that once I start you know, listening more and more, I can definitely get the recovery that I know I want. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Okay, now we have Janice followed by Larry Kay. Jan, press star one. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Hey, thank you. I I love chap I love this chapter more about alcoholism. I love Jim. And I think um, one of the things that really hits me is, you know, there he goes, another trip to, you know, the hospital. And so for myself, um, I had many of those trips, not to the hospital, but, you know, the promises and, okay, next time will be different. And um, one of the things that I know about myself is is that um, once I'm in program, I truly don't take a compulsive bite in peace again or in oblivion or in, or, you know, the not knowing. So, but I still know that there is a person in there who has uh, altered perceptions and insanity in my mind when it comes to the food. So I can't eat on, on the truth. You know, what if Jim would have said, well, you know, if I have this drink, oh, it's another trip to the, you know, the, the the nut house or the asylum, right? He didn't say that to himself. He didn't say any of that. He thought he could drink it because it was in the milk, you know. And so I understand for myself, I told myself many times, it's okay. I can have this. This is legal food. And um, it's okay. You know, my kids having problems, whatever. But the, the issue was is that I never said to myself, Jan, tomorrow you might not be abstinent. I lied to myself every time and said, I picked up on the lie and said, tomorrow I'll get back on program. That's what I said to myself. And I said to that to myself 
for 30 years in the rooms. It's okay, tomorrow I'll get back on program. Until one day my sponsor said to me, Jan, what if you can't get it back? Who, who do you think you are? You're still trying to control it if you think you can, quote, get it back tomorrow. And my other sponsor said to me, I can't help you anymore. You're a chronic slipper. I don't know what to do with you. I, I've never worked with anybody like this. So that's when the gates of hell closed on me, and I finally had to finally had to surrender to everything they say in the big book and everything they say, it, you know, in this chapter. I have no power over this obsession, mind and body and the disease. I have no obsession, no, no, no power over this obsession, none. Only a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. I'm behind, beyond human aid, and one day at a time, I just have to work my program, work my steps, stay in the steps. I can't afford, I can't afford the luxuries of emotional, you know, uh, emotional outbursts. I have to stay emotionally abstinent and work my program in that area too, because those can be the things that set me off. But if I get a problem in my life, I can work the steps and it's gone. It's gone. God takes it from me because I do the work every day. Thank you for allowing me to share and I pass. Thank you, Jan. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Barbara E. Thanks so much, Katie. I appreciate your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So the, the, the word the word I'm going to focus on is, is a very misunderstood word in the big book in that uh, we hear so many definitions of its meaning, the word insanity. And the net result of that at, at best is, is, is total confusion. So you know, it was good for me to consider the way Bill used the word insanity in the big book because you know, what I found is that when I, when I correctly study a word, you know, oftentimes the fear of misunderstanding the concept that goes with the word goes away. And this is a big one. I'd, I'd suggest to you that if we don't accurately understand the word insanity, as Bill uses it here, we're not going to work steps one and two, and we're not going to make an intelligent decision in step three. So Bill says, whatever the pre- precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. The word whatever implies that it doesn't matter. If you asked your your husband or you asked your wife, uh, you know, you know, I'm going to get some vegetables for dinner tonight. What, what would you like? And they said, oh, whatever. It means it doesn't matter to them. So Bill's not speaking precisely. He's saying whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call it plain insanity. In other words, it doesn't matter how the dictionary defines the precise way, but the next sentence is key. Bill says, how can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? So needless to say, Bill's referring to the time just before we take the first bite. So what sort of thinking dominates us at this time? Perhaps it's the utter inability to separate the true from the false. I know that was true for me. The insanity is not the type where the, you know, the white coats are going to take you away put you in a straitjacket. No, it's merely the inability to separate the true from the false. And I needed to get that because if I misunderstood the word insanity as it was applied in the big book, as as the founders intended the word to be used, I wouldn't understand. And I would think of myself perhaps as crazy and not accept that definition. And then the rest of the actions and the steps in the implementation don't make a lot of sense to me. 
or aren't worthwhile. Just the inability to separate the true from the false, that was the level of insanity. With that, I'll pass, thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Barbara E, you're up, followed by Sima M. Good morning, my fellows. I'm so glad to be with you today. I can relate to all three of the gentlemen that we're gonna be talking about. Thus started one more journey to the asylum. How could it have happened again? My sound reasoning availed me nothing. I had a PhD in dieting. I've been doing, doing it all my life. My problem is me, not what you or life did to me. It was me. I was totally bumfuzzled by my behavior. Why did I persist in such disruptive behavior? Uh, all I can say is once I gave in, something was awakened in me like a foreign malicious force curled up in my stomach and reaching out its monster limbs into my mouth and through my hands. I couldn't stop eating. Maybe I'll stop tomorrow. Maybe I'll stop on Monday. I have always had a long-term complicated love-hate relationship with food. I was ashamed of my addiction and most especially of my body. You look so good. You could eat anything. You knew how to moderate. I had to learn to stop defining myself in terms of you. I had to stop thinking I'm not good enough. I had to cease thinking if I didn't do it perfectly, why do it at all? I couldn't fail if I didn't try. Procrastination at all costs, even if it meant my life. My mind was totally inhospitable to growth opportunity. I was emotionally stunted. I kept gaining and losing hundreds, hundreds of pounds. I was playing with fire, and sooner or later, I was going to get burned. Thank God for OA. Thank God for vision for you, or I would still be out there like Fred and Jim and the jaywalker killing myself, not even so slowly, because give me a weekend and I could gain 10 pounds. I could do it. And today, after 20 decades, I am so glad to be able to say I am abstinent and working on my character defects one day at a time. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And now we have Sima M, followed by Holly S. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, this is Sima M from New Jersey, grateful compulsive overreader living in recovery. Uh, I definitely can relate to the insanity. I remember um, once, this was before I heard of OA, I was on a, a liquid diet. I guess I had decided that that was a good way to go. And I went to a birthday party for my niece and I took one nut. And from there, I became the nut. I just couldn't stop for days and days and days. Uh, and then after I came into OA, uh, I, I came into OA already at my goal weight, so I didn't understand what was going to happen. And when I first came in the rooms, nobody explained it. They just looked at me and they said, okay, here's your food plan and call somebody and tell them what you're going to eat. So for years, I struggled with that, not knowing that there was 
not understand, I mean, even though they explained powerlessness or tried to explain powerlessness, I didn't get it. And uh, four and a half years ago, I uh, came back to OA after a period of 30 years, and I heard a vision for you, and finally, somehow or other, God opened up my heart, and I was able to hear the message, the message that it's not sanity, it's knowing, having a relationship with God that gives me the power to abstain and to become a sane person from an insane person who was not aware of what was going on around me, that I would separate myself from the action of the eating as if somebody else were doing it and it wasn't me. And today, I'm grateful to have a relationship with a higher power who's been able to uh, give me the blessing of a relationship with my emotions, to be aware of them, and my... uh, my state of mental health and to be able to relate to other people and live a sane life through the steps of this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sima. Holly S., you're up, followed by Monica T. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Holly S. calling from Texas. Um, I am I'm struck this morning um, with with the phrase that here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic. Um, I'm just reminded of how much knowledge I have about being a compulsive overeater and and how much knowledge I have about um, uh, certain foods and and a food plan and and, and the honesty of how resistant for years and years and years I have been to uh, to consult a, uh, a dietitian, uh, which I did a year and a half ago, and um, I'm so grateful this morning for this meeting and for everyone participating. Um, you know, I encountered the strange mental twist last night, which um, I don't think that I have had happen in, in a few months since I stopped picking up and um, suddenly decided that I could eat my dinner um, in front of the television with my husband last night. And, oh, my gosh, I never, never thought that that would cause me a problem. Well, if I examine my history, um, it's not just the food that I pick up but it's my behavior around the food and uh, that might require a little bit more honesty from me. And um, I'm just so grateful that I can get on the line this morning and I can um, hear the honesty and examine um, what I might need to, uh, to do today for my program to stay in a good place so that I don't have to um, wake up one morning and go, oh my gosh, I have picked up and I did not know it. Um, I'll, I'll examine that today, and I'm so grateful. Thank you all for your service, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Holly. Okay, Monica T., you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in a chapter more about alcoholism. And what is this whole chapter about? It's about the mental obsession. It's about the, 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 the ab, my mind, my thinking, 
my crazy thinking, this obsessive thought. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic. It all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Now, isn't that just the craziest darn idea you ever heard? If you're a real alcoholic, it'll be okay if you mixed it with milk on a full tummy. It's not going to hurt you. How insane. But that's exactly what I would do, no matter how much I knew about food. When that thought comes into my brain, it is so powerful. It's the only thought occupying my brain, and I don't even know it. This insanity, this, this inability to think straight, like Larry so well defined in the next paragraph. I have an inability to think straight when it comes to food, and it doesn't make any difference how much I know, what I want, how much I'm determined, my willpower. I'm 100% powerless over this insane thought when it enters my brain. I'm screwed. Forty years of history, looking back over my shoulder, showed me that. I'm not going to win against this. My sick mind cannot heal my sick mind. The only thing that's going to change this is working through these steps and having a change as a result. God comes in and removes this obsessive thought. This crazy thinking, this insane thinking, this inability to think straight when it comes to food. And the big book is telling us here that's their definition of insanity, this inability to think straight. You know, Bill also used this before he was using the word delusion, and now he's using the word insanity. He also uses the word illusion. They all mean the same thing. I have an inability to think straight when it comes to food. And the craziest ideas pop into my head, and I just think they're the best darn idea I've had in a long time, and that's why I would always pick up. So something had to change, and the change was brought about by working the steps. Thank you, God, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Monica. Okay, so if you've just joined us since the beginning of the meeting, uh, we are on the bottom of page 36, where it starts, thus started one more journey. We read through three paragraphs, ending in how could it have happened. Who else would like to share? Anita Harlan J. G. Anita J. Susan Harlan H. G. Susan H. Jeanette S. I'm sorry, who S? Jeanette. Jeanette S. Okay. We can take a few more. Okay. Well, let's just go with those for the moment. Anita J., Harlan G., Susan H., and Jeanette S. Anita J., you're up. Thanks very, very much. Um, I'm Anita J., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader out here in Massachusetts. Um, I had to share finally about one of my cousins. They're my cousins. Um, and for so many years, I thought they weren't. I, I used to have a, this back and forth. I, argument isn't quite the right word. But what the founder around here, the person who started OA in Massachusetts, I was fortunate to know very well. 
And she would say, insanity. And I would counter with, no, emotionally immature. Anita, where do you see that? Insanity. Um, I could not accept it. Notice I'm saying past tense. That is, it's, it's insane. But you see, speaking for myself and probably these deceased cousins here, you're not thinking about the outcome. That's immature. Maybe that's why I thought I was emotionally immature. Grown-ups are aware of the outcome. I don't care. At that moment, all I want is to get rid of those uncomfortable feelings inside of me. You know, I have had so many teachers in OA, right in the rooms too, but I didn't really get the message. There was a woman, I liked her so much. She always spoke about step one. She didn't call it step one, but we would hear all the terrible things she did. And I could in my mind remember them. I could practically say it with her. And I think, I want to hear the rest of the story. But you know, after four years now, over four years of being with you guys in vision, I know why she was doing it. She needed to remember. She needed to remember what this powerful disease does to you. And that's what I need. And that's why working with others, I mean, literally working with others, has kept me sober now for, can you believe it, over four years? Never in the 38, it's going to be 40 years in this program later this year. My goodness. Talk about slow learner. Talk about trips to the asylum. The asylum of my mind. You know, my mind. That's a terrible prison. Now it isn't, though. Now it isn't. And with that, I'm gratefully saying I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Susan H. Thanks, Katie. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, I wasn't a big thinker. I wasn't a big thinker. I saw the shining Oreo cookies. I saw the beautiful ice cream, and I had to have them. I didn't give it a lot of thought. The big thought that I had wasn't that I was killing myself. The big thought that I had wasn't that I was going to die. I wanted to die. I didn't see any life without the food. Life with the food sucked, and life without the food was unimaginable to me. The only thing I really, really feared in terms of consequences was getting caught. I had swollen ankles. I was emasculated. I was humiliated. I was the butt of jokes. I was a walking sideshow. Doctors have been yelling and screaming at me at the top of their lungs for as far back as I can remember. Buying clothes is still shocking to me. Going to the doctor is still shocking to me. I've busted furniture. I got stuck in cars. I couldn't get in cars. I couldn't get out of cars. But the only consequence I really feared was getting caught because I just assumed that everybody was right that I was going to die. When it says here on page 36 at the very bottom that Katie read the word always, it said, 
the loss of family and position to here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position to and position to say nothing of that intense mental mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. It didn't matter to me. Was I drinking or was I eating, excuse me, on the truth or on phony stuff? I don't think so. I don't know. But I'm insane. Because after a bout of eating, I would be crying in the bathroom, cursing myself as the food shot out of me at record speed. And I begged God for death. And where would I look for solace from the storm? In the damn refrigerator. I had just eaten more food than would feed most countries, and I was looking for something to eat to make me feel better from all the eating that I had just done. That is insanity. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Susan H., you're up, followed by Jeanette F. Hi, this is Susan H. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, This is Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Ohio. Um, I have wondered myself why I did not look at it logically. (laughs) I know the misery that follows a binge, and I knew it when I was in the food. There is a mental blank spot that causes those things to be forgotten in favor of one bite. Surely it won't hurt me if I whatever. That's the insanity. I see that Jim had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, but this insanely trivial excuse, if only he mixed it with milk, started the cycle all over again. Every day I give thanks for the conscious contact with my higher power. I give thanks for the daily reprieve from my compulsion. It is amazing and wonderful. I spend time every morning in prayer and meditation. I do work it to see HP's will. I did work the steps in order. I do review to see if I'm working 10, 11, and 12 every day. My program is not perfect. I find again and again, I am so very human. I'm working it and receiving gifts I never imagined and working toward perfecting my spiritual life. I know if I let it go, I have no defense against that first compulsive bite. And thanks for allowing me to share. I pass. Thank you, Susan. Jeanette S., you're up. Hi, this is Jeanette S., recovered in Maybrook, New York. Beautiful, snowy Maybrook, New York. Um, I just wanted to... One thing that popped out to me was hold us in check. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. Um, reading that a second and third and fourth time, that sentence to me is contradicts itself. Um, if I had sound reasoning, if I had it, I don't even have sound reasoning. Um, the insanely trivial excuse is not sound reasoning. Um, it would be able to hold me in check. But what came to me was this, hold me in check. The image of of the tiger pacing in a cage, that's what I got from this hold in check. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to hold in 
this powerful, insane thinking, you know, this that's just pacing back and forth, back and forth, was just emphasized by the, by the word always. That critter is always going to be pacing back and forth. Unless some outside influence comes and affects that 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 animal pacing, like a drug dart or something like that, um, or a big huge hunk of raw meat, you know, it might lay down for a few minutes. But it's going to continuously be pacing and trying to hold me in check. Um, you know, that's that's what I don't have. I don't have something that's going to hold me in check. Um, I don't have sound reasoning when it comes to this this disease. Uh, the only thing that I do have that will hold me in check, um, and that's not even the right phrase to put for it for me, is is a connection with is a spiritual connection. It's the spiritual um, remedy for this this <clears throat> for this disease. Um, you know, like a cage isn't going to do it for me. That's I'm still going to be pacing in there. But when I have a spiritual connection, that's when I can calm down. That's when I can sit down. That's when I can lay down and rest. Because I have a power greater than myself that I know is going to take care of me, that, that everything is okay. You know, I never heard that growing up. Everything's going to be okay. Um, everything is going to be okay. And I'm so grateful that I have this program and these 12 steps and the ability to maybe not all the time, but sometimes know that it's all going to be okay and I can lay down. And with that, I... Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Jeanette S. Okay, we have time for three or so more shares. Who would like to share? Rowan M. Rowan M. M. Liz T in Minnesota. Elise N. Leia M. Was that Leia M? Joyce T. Joyce N. Elise N. Okay, well, okay, I think we have enough. Joyce, I'm sorry, I think you said T. Okay, I have Rowan M, Joyce Leia T. M, and Liz T, and Joyce P. We'll see if we can get all four of you. Um, we only have nine minutes. Thank you. Go ahead, please, Rowan M. Hi, good morning. This is Rowan M. calling from New York, New York. Love this reading that we did. I wanted to talk about the third paragraph that we did. To us, it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences. But, you know, like it's been said, I didn't reflect upon the consequences because of the mental blank spot. And I didn't think about what the food did to me. I only thought about what the food did for me. But there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning. There inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Yeah, I would keep taking that first bite 
over and over and over again because my disease would tell me it's okay you can take you can have you can have it this time you can control it this time you'll be okay this time because you're recovered now and i would get reco- i would get into a place where i was neutral around the food and then it would come into my mind that I would want to experiment again with my binge foods, with my red light foods, because I was getting bored with my abstinent foods. And I would say, hmm, I wonder if I can try these foods out again to see if I can add them back in. But that's not an option for me. And by the grace of God, There are certain foods that I know today I am powerless over them. And God has given me the the deep, deep, deep knowledge that I must recoil as if from a hot flame, uh, as from a burning stove or whatever. We recoil from a hot flame. because I know that if I pick those foods up, I don't know if I'm coming back. I don't know if I'm coming back. And it scares me. And God has given that to me today. And I don't know. And that's not my doing. That's not my doing. And my disease still tells me today, even though I'm in recovery a day at a time, Oh, I can still try those foods. It's the insanity, plain insanity, thinking we can do something and get different results. Thank you for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Leah M., your turn, followed by Liz T. Thank you very much. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, We call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? Um, You know, this disease beat me to a pulp. And I uh, eventually, uh, because someone in whom the problem had been solved, cracked open this text and brought it to life to me through their personal experience, I began to understand what I was dealing with. Now, understanding what I was dealing with wasn't going to restore my mind, but it gave me the, uh, the awareness of the urgency and the necessity for a personality change, a spiritual awakening, a psychic change, that I was powerless, that I was hopeless, doomed and based on my own personal experience, that no human aid, no self-knowledge about this uh, disease, uh, you know, no, no physical solution. Abstinence alone was going to be like putting a Band-Aid on a fatal wound. The treatment wasn't adequate for the condition I was dealing with. I mean, I had been dealing with this illness for almost two decades. Uh, food was my friend. It was my confidant. It was my lover. It ultimately became my nemesis and my destroyer. Uh, I had to understand uh, that I had an inner lack of strength. This powerlessness became the launching pad 
of desperation for someone like me. You know, when, when I was taught about this illness, uh, I was taught about allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. The first part of my addiction is that I'm powerless over certain foods. That's true. I get uncomfortable, uh, uncontrollable physical cravings when I eat certain foods. That's the allergy of the body. The second part is that I can't manage my life in relation to my powerlessness. I get this mental obsession that sends me back to those foods which were going to kill me, <laughs> you know, which were going to kill me. And, you know, I look at this. Uh, insanity, much like I look at, you know, I have a couple kids here. Um, I have two daughters that um, are allergic to fish. They're not hiding in the bathroom stall, you know, with tuna in their pockets. I don't find them, uh, you know, in dark spaces cramming tilapia down their gullet. They understand their disability, that when they ingest fish, their throat closes up and they may lose their life. I, on the other hand, was well aware that when I ingested certain foods, it was going to create this uncontrollable craving and I was going to binge my brains out and my life was going to deteriorate through this disease of compulsive overeating. Over and over, year after year, uh, I got that I got that message, and yet, and yet, when I had been abstinent for a few months or a few days or a few hours, uh, you know, picking up that first bite seemed like the best idea. You know, it, it got beaten into me, I'm just wrapping up, that <laughs> the steps were going to be designed to relieve me of that mental obsession through a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. Essentially, I needed God, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have time for Liz T. And I'm sorry, Joyce P., if you could wait for the second hour. Go ahead, please, Liz T. We have two minutes. Liz T., star one to unmute. Sorry, I got muted. This is Liz T. from Minnesota, recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for your service and everyone on the line this morning. I was just looking at my big book here, and I have the word think, thinking, insanity, mental phenomenon, sound reasoning, trivial excuse. Again, sound reasoning, insane idea all circled in my book. And um, I have written along the side a thinking problem, a mental twist, obsession. And um, it's just... It's just amazing. I'm so grateful for this program. I've been, um, I'm, I'm pretty much, I think I've finished up uh, my ninth step amends um, at this time. I'm, I'm now getting into step 10, and I've had some, um, um, an obsession going on in my life and my work life. And I can see how that correlates when I let my mind go and go and go on some sort of problem or, or issue um, and think I need to solve it this minute or I need to fix or I need to rescue. And um, I'm so grateful to have other recovered fellows in the program to call and do a 10th step and um, say, you know, what do you think about this? What would you do? Um, you know, um, they help me pause when agitated and doubtful and um, get the focus back on the, on the steps and out of my ego and out of my, my obsessive problem-solving um, skills that never really got me <laughs> very far. Definitely didn't get me very far with the food. Um, my self-knowledge availed me nothing 
when they came up against this disease. So I'm just grateful for, for all of you out there that help me um, on a daily basis and keep, keep the mental obsession, the mental twist quiet, the buildup of human emotion simmered down so I can function in life and be more effective to my family and my fellows, co-workers, um, be of service. And um, I don't have to fall victim constantly to this overthinking problem. So uh, with that, I will pass. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much, Liz. And thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you to all those who helped me with this meeting today. Um, And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan H. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Susan again. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.